Hi, this is Jeff Stone of Grandpa's Fried Barbecue from the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! I'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. And welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. The barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings of live fire fun and frivolity show. If you don't know how to get in contact with the show or you don't know how to follow us socially, here's how you do all of that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website and the newly revamped and launched main website, the BBQCentralShow.com. And here's what's happening in case you need to get the newsletter which you can once again sign up for on the brand new website. So head on over there and get your weekly dose Tuesday around 4 p.m. Eastern for a heads up on what's going to be happening on the show a bit later than that. And you can be up to speed before we actually get into the show later that evening. Coming up in about 12 minutes from now, it's been a six or seven month layoff, but we are happy to have him aboard one more time. A barbecue icon in the industry, of course, Stephen Reichlin will be joining us. So we will catch up and see what's happened within that time gap that Stephen has been away. See if he's been traveling and writing or doing TV shows, recipes for Memorial Day, all the good stuff. So Stephen 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 Reichlin to lead off the show here this evening. Then 35 past the first hour. It is the third Tuesday of the month. And that means 35 past. It is the creator of the best news live fire website out there on the internet right now, Wes Wright from cookoutnews.com. So we've heard about a potential sale between Danson and Charbroil. We've heard about some new grills and cookers that are becoming to market. There's more business that's been happening since last month when we last talked with Wes. So plenty of information, tidbits, and scoops to talk about with Wes. So looking forward to that, and that'll wrap the first hour. Then we will move to the second hour, where we will find a quarterly guest and the creator of the Hay Grill Hay brand, Susie Bullock, will once again join us. And maybe Todd, but definitely a Susie. So we'll see if Todd jumps in and take it from there. When We'll talk more about Memorial Day. Susie, well-known for obviously getting those recipes together. So if you are somebody 
tuning in for the first time this evening and you are hoping you are going to get geared up for Memorial Day weekend, there's no doubt about that half the guests are the folks that you want to listen to at the highest levels of their game from recipe creation and telling you what you should be eating for Memorial Day this year. And then closing out the show, 35 past the second hour is the product manager over Charbroil. He was on the show towards the end of last year. We briefly touched on the full-size electric cooker that they have for sale called The Edge. It's Seth Sawyer from Charbroil. We will once again dive into The Edge. We'll get a little bit more into the guts of it, specifics, details. Maybe you're somebody that's been considering it since he was on the first time. Or maybe you're just catching up and realizing that there is a full-size all-electric grill that's currently available on the market, even though it's been out for about a year now. So we will discuss why you might want to look into that. Maybe you are somebody that's captured by where you live. You're not allowed to have the traditional live fire stuff, charcoal or burning wood or pellets for that matter, and electric is your only option. Well, here's a first-of-its-kind full-size electric grill that is said to have enough power to get you where you want to go. So we'll talk about all of that. We'll also talk about the electric stuff. We'll talk about 110, talk about 220. You would remember that I'd had a number of conversations with the most elite levels of a lot of the grill manufacturers that showed up in Louisville, Kentucky a couple months ago for HPB Expo, and I asked them about full-size electric grills, and they all said, we think that's something that we are either going to invest in or get on the creation channel about, but we're... A little bit more on the side, not even a little bit. We're a lot of bit on the side of 220, and that's a whole different monster, so we'll talk about Seth with that as well. And that's how the show lays out. So 14 past the first hour and or nine minutes from now, Stephen Reichland and Wes Wright after that. Second hour, Susie Bullock and Seth Sawyer from Charbroil. Don't forget you can follow me socially on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat at BBQ Central Show, and we say good evening to those of you watching tonight through one of our video streaming platforms. You can, of course, go to Facebook or Twitch slash BBQ Central Show, and you can also take the show in via YouTube slash R.D. Rempe. And guess what? There is a new YouTube poll question of the week, and I am asking you this. Does it matter? If a barbecue restaurant you go to has Brunswick stew on the menu, and currently 100% of you are saying no, does not matter. But since it does have a association with plenty of barbecue restaurants, maybe you're a lover of Brunswick stew. And while you don't demand that it be on there, it might hurt your feelings a little bit if you show up to a barbecue restaurant and Brunswick stew is not on the menu and you go home a little butthurt about it. So that is the poll question of the week tonight. We'll be asking all guests as we lead our segments the poll question of the week as well and see what they have to say. So we'll start here this evening. First off, many of you are saying that Meathead's appearance last week was one of his best ever and that the info that he shared was invaluable. Many of you are saying that you had no idea how accomplished Mrs. Meathead was during her professional tenure. Very impressive, no doubt about it. And many of you also loving the Smoke and Joe's Pit Barbecue Podumentary, that's the 2023 version, and how willing Joe is to share his information, his experience working on his food trailer here over the last seven months, although we were just covering the first quarter last week when he was on the show. But many of you also suggested that Joe 
rough up his nephew a little bit for the error that he made on opening day with the liquid butter bottle popping and contaminating the deep grease front. Let's not encourage Joe to rough his nephew up. He might have just been helping out of his own volition. Wanted to be a good kid. Help Uncle Joe out. Well, lo and behold, that plastic bottle melts and it leaks into the fries and now fries are off the menu on day one aside from opening 45 minutes late. But it seems to be going gangbusters right now, so if you love Joe's podumentary segments, fear not. There's two more left to go here in 2023. The next round will be the next three months, so month four through seven, and we'll probably have caught up into real time by that point, and then the last one we get, we'll see what's happening as that year comes to a close, and he'll just be in business over a year at that point. So looking forward to catching up with... Joe, as the year progresses, uh, feedback from the show last week. Dennis in Colorado is writing in. Greg, love the Meathead segment. Can't wait to see his new book. Maybe if he needs to trim it down, he could do a volume two. Chris Young's explanation of the traffic jam on the surface of the meat may explain the gray zone on the non-reverse seared steaks. Love, love, love the new website look. So much better than the other one that you had. Lastly, Smoking Joe's segment was full of great information and stories. Your centralite and official Colorado embedded correspondent, Dennis. Thanks for writing in, Dennis. Jamie Estes is writing in. Gregory, you are missing out on the glorious food called canned ham. Try mixing in deviled eggs. You're welcome. Regards, Jamie. Nope. Jeremy in Ohio was writing in, Greg, while I enjoyed the segment with Robert Moss and learning all about the Barbecue Hall of Fame stuff, was way more fascinated learning about the history of one of my favorite dishes, Brunswick stew. Thank you, Robert Moss, for some great insight. Love the show. And I am a podcast listener only. Regards, Jeremy. Jeremy, thank you for writing in. And finally, we get an email from Nick in Oregon who writes in, Greg, Chris Young is your best new guest by a lot. He has great energy. The subject matter he's covering is second to none. His videos are tremendous production. And how many pieces of things cut in half does he actually own that he's filming? That's incredible. Please keep having him on. He's great. Live Fire Watcher only on Twitch. Regards, Nick. There you go. Live Fire Watcher only. I'm saying Live Fire, but I mean Live Watcher my phrase so thank you for writing in everybody glad you're enjoying the shows and the content and the subject matter that we are bringing you here week after week Stephen Reichland is in the green room and he's ready to go we'll get to him here in just one second I will talk to you quickly about pits and spits the best looking best cooking smokers and grills currently available offering a full family of products including traditional offlet smokers Wood pellet grills, charcoal grills, travel grills, combination pits, fire pits, and much more. Pits and Spits has been one of the only American fabrication shops that's focused on smokers and grills for almost 40 years. Why is that important? Because they're able to put an emphasis on quality and design, locally sourced materials, and an unmatched attention to detail. From the fully welded barrels to the heavy gauge steel, They bring both function and beauty to life. Pits and Spits builds every product with the intention that it is going to get passed down from generation to generation. It doesn't matter if you're a competitive barbecue cook or if you're just a backyard ham and egger like me. 
It takes the barbecue and grilling game to the next level. There is a product for you in the portfolio. Go to the website pitsandspits.com slash bbqcentral and use promo code bbqcentral when you're checking out if you order $500 or more. So easily done if you're buying a grill, but have to accumulate some other accessories to get there otherwise and meet that $500 threshold. But regardless, however you do it, once you get there, and our promo code BBQCentral at checkout for a free spice pack. Their thanks to you for doing business with them and supporting the show here. Again, the website, pitsandspits.com. And in the pits and the spits, it's a double T in the pits and a double T in the spits.com slash BBQCentral. And use promo code BBQCentral for a free spice pack. When you accumulate $500 or more, use it at checkout. And we'll be back with Stephen Reichland right after this. Stick around. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Here's what we learned this week friend of mine ordered cooking pellets said I went to the website ordered them up the shipping is ridiculous so I emailed Chris Becker I said what's going on with the shipping he said ah well we offered as a courtesy but really not able to ship at the most competitive prices however if you go to amazon.com or lowes.com or walmart.com they are all vendors to Chris and you can get the same price for the 40-pound bags, except shipping is included. That's cheaper. Believe you me, because I heard what my buddy was paying for two 40-pound bags, and the shipping was more than the total cost of the pellets. Look, lesson learned. So go to cookingpellets.com, see the flavors, and then go to one of those fine retailers and save on the shipping. And that's what Chris Becker, the owner of the company, is telling you to do. Hey, my first guest tonight is an icon in the industry, a host of TV shows like Planet Barbecue, the creator of Barbecue University, a James Beard award-winning author of some of the most important books on the topic of live fire cooking that have ever been written. Of course, we are welcoming back to the show for the first time in low these many months, Stephen Reichland. Stephen, before we play catch-up, we have to go and do the YouTube poll question of the week. And I'm asking everybody tonight, when you go to a barbecue restaurant, is it important to you that Brunswick stew is on the menu, yes or no? It is not important to me. All right. If it's there, I like it, but it's uh, not a deal breaker. I'm wondering, you're a historian of food and such. Do you happen to know where the birth of Brunswick stew comes from? Uh, I have some vague notions, but uh, not enough at the top of my head to talk about it right now. I believe... If I remember from a whole week ago, it is the state of Virginia, which 
When I was talking with Robert Moss, a great barbecue historian, also agreed with me that perhaps the state of Virginia is widely underappreciated and undervalued, and I think is credited with the whole evolution of Southern-style barbecue. Well, that I agree with you, and um, I have had some terrific barbecue in Virginia, and yet if you were, I were to ask you to name a single super famous, iconic barbecue restaurant in Virginia, uh, I bet you couldn't do it. No doubt about it. I couldn't come up with one off the top of my head. I could come up with 20 in Texas and maybe 10 or 15 North in Carolina. Kansas City. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's weird how the, the meccas are like that for us. But in any event, we've been off from each other, let's say, six months or so since our last visit. I'm assuming that maybe you've been up to some type of traveling or doing work or research. So what have you been up to? Oh, boy. Well, a lot going uh, on in Reichlandia. Uh, I guess the big news is at the end of the month, my new TV show, Planet Barbecue, uh, will start airing on public television. Uh, we shot the show in San Antonio back in January, returned to do our field trips in February. And, you know, TV show it might only last a half an hour, but it really takes probably three to four weeks to produce each 30-minute um, each segment. So... Uh, so that's one big piece of news. Uh, let's see, another big piece of news in Reichlandia. We have a new home for Barbecue University. Uh, we're returning to the Alisal Ranch in Solving, California. If that name sounds familiar, you've been watching my Project Smoke and Project Fire TV shows because we shot two seasons at the Alisal. Uh, picture 10,000 acres of uh, Gorgeous ranch land, uh, more than 100 uh, horses to ride when in between your grill sessions at Barbecue University. I love being there, and I just can't wait to come back. Let's follow up on a couple of those items. Let's talk about the TV show first. As you said, it's getting ready to launch, and then this is going to be a planted barbecue entitled television show versus the other ones, which were like uh, Project Fire, Project Smoke. Yeah, uh, I, I notice all my shows are two words, right? Barbecue University, Primal Grill, Project Smoke, Project Fire, Planet Barbecue. It's actually a show I've uh, really wanted to make uh, for a long time. You may remember about uh, 12 years ago, I came out with a book called Planet Barbecue. It chronicled my travels around the world's barbecue trail. And we've reprised the idea for the new show, but... Uh, we are. We have a fixed set in uh, San Antonio. It's actually at the old uh, Spanish governor's mansion. Really beautiful backdrop, and we had grill masters from Brazil, from Argentina, from uh, the Caribbean, uh, come join us. Uh, and in between there, uh, strutting their stuff, I did my interpretations, uh, dishes that I saw in my travels around Planet Barbecue. So it was a really fun show to produce. Uh, very informative, and I hope that viewers will find uh, find it as fun and informative, too. How do you pick Houston? Or, I'm sorry, how do you pick San Antonio out of all the locations across the nation? Well, you know, San Antonio, uh, I mean, first of all, if you think about a multi-pot city, it is the preeminent melting pot city in America. Uh, more than half the population looks south to Mexico, a uh, completely bilingual city. Um, it's also uh, kind of the southernmost point of uh, the Texas barbecue triangle. So you have traditional Texas barbecue, you have Mexican grilling, you have uh, contributions from all over the uh, uh, Latino word of, of world of grilling. And then something we don't tend to think about, but uh, 
the Texas brewing industry began with German immigrants who came to San Antonio in the uh, late 1800s, uh, early 1900s. And um, so one of the shows, I mean, several of the shows, we pay homage to that, uh, that German tradition, too. You've done a number of live fire related TV shows, of course. It's been, as you had mentioned, Barbecue University, Primal Grill, Project Fire, Project Smoke, now Planted Barbecue. As you look back on these shows and all of these seasons, can you pick one out that just sticks with you as being your favorite for whatever reason? Mm, that's the uh, favorite child uh, question. Um, I think probably, you know, in a funny way, Project Smoke was uh, had a, a I love all my shows and I'm proud of all my shows, but Project Smoke was a little different. Normally I write the book first and then I do the TV show. And with Project Smoke, I actually did the show first and then I wrote the book. And I think that that was both a show and certainly a book that got a lot of people through COVID. Uh, you know, uh, we, we sold more copies of Project Smoke during COVID than we had when the book first came out. <laughs> so uh, I, I feel, uh, I, you know, that, that was a very special book. It was, uh, you know, it was based on the premise that um, all barbecue is smoked, but not all smoked foods are barbecue. And you think about smoked salmon or smoked cheese or smoked cocktails. They're not really what you'd call barbecue, but they use this uh, incredible principle of live fire uh, and wood smoke to generate flavors that are just often otherworldly. I remember when we were doing our origin story of Stephen Reichland and we were talking about the beginnings of doing the TV shows, I was first introduced to you through Barbecue University on PBS, you know, 100 years ago, it seems like now, and inspired yeah, me to get you. out and try and hone my skills a little bit more. But you were very candid during the interview and you said, man, it was really uncomfortable for me to be in front of the camera and then to watch back and all that stuff. All these times later, especially in this instance, uh, being your most recent time, are you much more comfortable in front of the camera? Have you gotten over some of those mental hurdles? Oh, yeah, much more comfortable. I mean, I actually enjoy it now, and <laughs> I look forward to it. And, uh, you know, the camera goes on, and I light up and start talking. Now, uh, I still approach TV uh, with the head of a writer rather than with the head of a, a, a TV star. So... Um, I'm, I, I have to, when I write, I'm, I'm, you know, the process is you are building uh, phrases from words, sentences, and paragraphs, and then pages. And there's a kind of self-editing process that happens in your head. And I think that's been the hardest thing for me to change because TV is a very spontaneous uh, medium. And you know what you want to say, but you, you can't edit when you're doing TV. You know, it comes out of your mouth and it goes on tape. Did you ever think because you are such a prolific writer that it might be, I don't even know how to ask this right, you're the writer. You ever thought about just writing it and let somebody else come in and do the cooking? Maybe they're a little bit more off the cuff and, and can kind of make your words their own, but you're the one creating the content for it and you're just having the, uh, oh, what's the, the, the name of the play where the guy was writing all the words for the other guy to, to bed down the broad. Cyrano yeah, de Bergerac. Cyrano de Bergerac. Very good. Very, yeah. very good. Whoever thought we would have named, uh, mentioned, you know, named a famous a very high century brow, French novel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and a barbecue show, but see, that's what I mean. Uh, no, to answer your question, um, not yet. Uh, I'm, you know, I, uh, like I said, I've gone from hating TV to actually love, 
loving TV, love doing it. So I want to keep uh, keep it that. But, uh, you know, with uh, my website, barbecuebible.com, we have brought a number of talented people uh, on board. You know, if you follow our blog, Steve Nestor, who is a, a graduate of Barbecue University and uh, is a, is a uh, physical therapist by day, just loves barbecue. So he does a lot of our blogs now. He does a lot of our uh, testing. This week, in fact, we did a, a, a sort of a face-off between a ribeye and, uh, and a strip steak. Uh, uh, Jared Ryder, uh, who uh, runs my social media, is doing a lot of blogs. Nancy Lowski, of course. Uh, even uh, uh, Daniel Hale, our uh, website manager, is starting writing blogs. So I do feel like I, I'm I'm sort of bringing in hands and creativity from uh, from team members more than ever, and I must say I love it. Stephen Reichland joining us here on the show, BarbecueBible.com, the website, of course. So aside from some domestic travel, were you able to stretch the wings and go international at all? Yeah, I'm actually uh, just six days back from a, uh, a five-week trip to Europe. Uh, it started in Paris. I was the guest of honor at the Paris Barbecue Expo, which was quite amazing. Uh, your listeners may remember I have a degree in French literature and through a very circuitous route, that's how I got into this crazy business. Uh, but uh, France is sort of now where the United States was about 25 years ago, uh, meaning that they are just discovering barbecue now in a big way. And this uh, expo was incredible. I mean, there are now French-made grills. There are French-made uh, French barbecue influencers. And I think the French are going to embrace barbecue in the same way that Germans did maybe 20 years ago, that the Dutch have. Um, so that was exciting. Uh after that, we uh, we flew down to uh, Puglia on the uh, heel of Italy. That was a sort of vacation and research piece. Then uh, up to Florence to meet with a uh, winery, a thousand-year-old winery that you know we may do a TV show at the winery at some point. Uh, back to France, uh, a mixture of uh, work and play and. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy who can kind of take a vacation and lie on the beach. I Wherever I travel, I'm always trying to learn something new, learn something new about food, learn something new about barbecue. When we look at the French barbecue scene and you're setting a picture of where it's at currently, but how are they set up in regards to proteins and spices and all the things that we're probably taking for granted at this point? Some would say a lot of that segment is actually oversaturated with rubs and seasonings and sauces but how are they set up right now well they're just at the beginning you know i mean um i i think many people don't even know what a rub is it's a, in french you say a melange d'épices, a mixture of spices um, but they are, are bringing their own culture and their own uh, history and tradition to barbecue, as well as uh, also trying to uh, replicate American barbecue. Uh, you know, France had colonies in North Africa, so ingredients like uh, merguez, which is a spicy lamb sausage from Morocco, uh, charmoula, uh, harissa, those are you know, hot pepper paste. Those are flavors that the French are very comfortable with, and they're incorporating them into uh, barbecue. I was having fun because I was kind of, you know, 
my culinary background after this French lit degree, I uh, went to cooking school in Paris. And so I was kind of trying to recreate in my mind, how would you do a, a, a boeuf bourguignon, burgundy beef on the grill? Well, you know, uh, you take the beef, you marinate it in the red wine, and then you make a red wine, bacon, and mushroom sauce with it. And uh, instead of braising the beef for three hours, you know, take a tender beef and skewer it alternately with mushrooms and onions and bacon mm. and do a kebab. So with a, so, uh, you know, that kind of exercise. And I think like has happened in Quebec, you know, where I started doing television with Le Maitre du Grill. And at first uh, it was all about kind of replicating American barbecue. And now they are discovering their own flavors and creating a, a true Quebecois style of barbecue. And I think the same thing will happen uh, in France. As we had mentioned, you are a prolific writer. Are there any books in the hopper right now? Uh, well, there are. Uh, and uh, actually, I just signed a book that uh, may sound extremely iconoclastic, uh, but I'm, uh, the next book is actually Leaving the Grill, and I'm, uh, I'm exploring the, uh, the plancha, these outdoor griddles that have uh, kind of taken the outdoor cooking space by storm. And um, I will be writing a book on the Reichland take on outdoor griddling. Do you prefer a plancha that is over a live fire, or are you also uh, pretty accepting of all these freestanding propane-fired griddles that you're seeing being released by every major manufacturer? I am accepting of the convenience of the freestanding ones. Personally, I'm a, a slab of metal over a fire on my grill uh, for a very simple reason, because when you plancha uh, on a grill, you can take a handful of wood chips or chunks, throw them on the fire, close the grill lid, and then you're both griddling and smoking at the same time. So, uh, but um, I uh, actually, you know what? If you read the New York Times tomorrow, uh, I have a story in the New York Times about the new plancha grills tomorrow, including a couple of great recipes. And for those, I uh, I worked on, uh, you know, the some of the new generation of uh, freestanding uh, uh, griddles. And, you know, it's one more way to get uh, great, amazing flavor outdoors. So, We might be two weeks outside of Memorial Day weekend, which uh, for some folks across the globe are, uh, globe across the country are indicating that grilling season and barbecue season is here. Of course, we don't subscribe to that. But for folks that might be looking for a few ideas for recipes, what do you looking at this year well we just published a blog on barbecuebible.com it was uh eight great recipes for may so i'll tell you some of those uh, one uh, is a key lime mojito right for drinking that's not smoked or grilled but it goes great with barbecued food then pork shooters where you take a little round of sausage and wrap it in bacon and fill the resulting cavity with crab and uh smoke the whole shebang uh, that's a really nice appetizer. Uh, great American burger, always uh, fun. An interesting one, a spatchcock chicken from the Republic of Georgia. So uh, flavored with Caucasus Mountain Spices. But what's cool about it is it gets a rhubarb barbecue sauce. Now, rhubarb, of course, is in season now. The acidity of the rhubarb grows, goes great with the uh, grilled chicken. For fish lovers, there's a grilled blackened tuna with uh, Cajun remoulade, that's really uh, easy. First timers ribs, you know, because Memorial Day, you gotta have ribs for right. Memorial Day. 
Grilled asparagus with charred lemon vinaigrette. Well, asparagus is big time in season right now. Finally, spice grilled pineapple for dessert. So, you know, <laughs> uh, any two or three of or, or all eight of those ideas would make a great Memorial Day spread. Stephen, if you can believe it, next Wednesday we will be announcing exclusively right here on the show as we have done for the last handful of years what will be the 2023 Barbecue Hall of Fame class. You were inducted to the Hall of Fame back in 2015, you know, eight years ago, if you can believe that. And I'm not going to ask who you are voting for since you actually get to vote for four of the ten finalists. However, as you were perusing the list, who sticks out to you as someone who you especially admire or that you might be gaining inspiration from or was an inspiration to you as you were coming up? You know, um, as, as a uh, judge, I really don't feel comfortable answering that question. But one thing I can assure you, having been through the process myself, is that the winners will be eminently qualified and it will be the biggest thrill of their life to be up on stage and accept that award. After six months, he is back and better than ever as we're playing catch-up. BarbecueBible.com is his website. This is Stephen Reichland. Stephen, always appreciate the time, and we will do it again soon. Thanks a lot. Grill on. That's Stephen Reichland right there. Again, the website, BarbecueBible.com, and there were some great recipe ideas. So if you're scrambling and looking what you should be making this coming Memorial Day, then I would say that's something you might want to take a look at closer at barbecuebible.com for the blog, and you will be ready to rock and roll. I didn't ask him to say, who did you vote for? I just said names that stick out to you that you admire or that inspired you. I mean, how classless would I have to be to say, who did you vote for? Of course he's not going to tell me. He's a Hall of Famer. He's voting. Not that much of a maniac. Well, I meant to ask him what his net worth was, and I totally forgot to do that. You know I'm about that. I wasn't going to do that either. West Wright is ready to go. Before we get to him, it's Primo Grills time. That's right. What do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they are fuel efficient. We love that you can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meats. We love that you can get rip-roaring hot for high-temperature grilling of steaks and other thin cuts. But what's missing in the everyday lineup of ceramic cookers? The real ability to do true two-zone cook. Two-zone cooking is very important to both professional and backyard cooks alike. It's the best way to manage a fire and cook with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire and a round ceramic cooker isn't very realistic. Why? Because it's a round cooker. Enter Primo Grill, the game-changing oval design. The shape gives you the ability to execute that two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. So when you break it down, there's more than 60 different ways to configure the Primo Cooker to cook on. So you're only limited by your culinary imagination. If you're in it for the accessories, they're not disappointing there either. Primo Grill Rotisserie, Primo Grill Pizza Accessory, the Rib Rack, the Half Pans, the Full Pans... Everything you want, they're ready to go. Only sold through dealers. So go to primogrill.com, find the dealer near you, look at all those Primo ovals that are available, and then buy the best one that fits your needs. Again, that's primogrill.com, find the dealer near you. Here's the bottom line. Best ceramics in the biz, yes. Patented technology, yes. True two-zone cooking capabilities, yes. Multiple sizes of ovals, so come on. 
Visit that dealer near you or check him out online for his primogrill.com. Follow him on Facebook and Instagram. We're back with Wes Wright right after this. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. We thank Stephen Reichland for joining us the last segment. This portion being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have smart speakers in your home, there's a really good chance that... Fireboard connects with those. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. And don't forget about the Fireboard Spark. I used that over the weekend to cook three different turkey breasts from the butcher shop there. Kevin Green out there in Pensacola, Florida. That thing is a dynamo. How are you, If you don't have the Spark, you are missing out on life in general. I highly recommend one. 145 bucks. It's a one-channel Fireboard. And it's an instant read meat thermometer, and it's highly accurate. I tested it in boiling water. My next guest tonight, the creator of cookoutnews.com and the third Tuesday of the month regular guest here to talk about the latest in the live fire industry news-wise. We welcome back our pal, Wes Wright. Wes, before we get going tonight, it's YouTube poll question of the week time. As I'm asking all guests and all centralites that are watching or listening to the show, Wes, does it matter to you if a barbecue restaurant has Brunswick stew on the menu? Yes or no? Uh, it's not a deal breaker, but I, I do really like Brunswick stew. Um, I eat soup all the time. Soups and stews are like my go-to. So it's yes or no? Uh, no. What? Currently, 100% of folks are saying no. That it is not that big of a deal. So I'm with you. Uh, if Brunswick stew is on the menu at a barbecue restaurant, A, I'm excited, and B, I'm getting a bowl. And if it's really good, I'm probably getting one to go. Yeah, I, I make it at home, but I just, uh, you know, use what I've left over. I don't usually have a brisket and, you know, everything, <laughs> like three different types of meats to put in it. But Wes Wright joining us. So cookoutnews.com is the website. And let's start here because I thought, this was going to be something that was highly public at this point, but now we're sitting a week and a day later from hearing that Danson's has sold to WC Bradley. So before we start talking or anything like that, we're using terms that are our qualifiers like allegedly, reportedly, through trusted sources, things like this. So uh, we can't confirm uh, fully that, I mean, I can, but. Uh, we're, we're not going to here, but we're just saying allegedly that, you know, for a week now, this is stretched out. So do you know anything specifically? Uh, like, do you feel confident saying this is a firm thing or uh, is something happening behind the scenes where this deal might fall apart allegedly? I think it depends on what the deal will actually be. If they buy them outright, I think we'll hear about it. If they're doing something like issuing them debt or something behind the scenes just to be an investor, we may not necessarily know about it unless they want us to. I've, you know, I've looked for 
any kind of trail I can find that would indicate that. And I haven't seen it yet. Um, but that doesn't mean it isn't happening. In your discovery work, are you able to see Danson's as a company that is just struggling financially more than other companies in the same industry? Um, I, they don't put a lot public. Uh, I'd say there's a couple things that, you know, and that's, you know, we'll use the words allegedly again. I, I don't know anything, but, um, you know, they took out an interest only mortgage at the height of the craziness in the pandemic, which to me means you're spending a lot of cash, you know, that it's not factual. I haven't seen their financials, but if you have an interest only mortgage on a brand new building you bought, that seems kind of weird, um, to me. And then plus they haven't come out with a lot of new products and I haven't seen a lot of news on them in general, which to me means you're dialing back on what you're spending, which, you know, I, w- I would think that, you know, that means you're struggling financially. If we look at all of the grill and barbecue pit manufacturers, maybe we'll keep the barbecue pit manufacturers off to the side. They might be a different beast. But if we look at the, the bigger grill manufacturers, names that you know, names that you see in all the big retail outlets or specialty fire shops, are a lot of these companies shoestringing it and that's just how they've operated all the way through? Or are a lot of these companies fairly fiscally fit and it's just a few that might be stringing out? I I think the way that you could break it down is if a company did a lot of expansion during the pandemic, then they're probably having problems financially. It's not so much that the sales went crazy and people thought it'd last forever. It's that they took that. And there was also all sorts of supply chain issues from getting parts from overseas. So what they did is they just bought tons of inventory to make up for the fact that they couldn't reliably get it. Um, Then once that all came to a screeching halt, if you spent a lot of money because you thought that was going to last forever, not that you were just filling orders and going about your business, then you're left with way too much uh, capacity. So I, I think it, you know, there's a good amount that are that have felt that, as opposed to not. Some of the smaller ones are if you're more direct to consumer, you're more insulated because you don't have that inventory p- pipeline. Wes Wright joining us here on the show, cookoutnews.com's website. Middleby has some lines that are uh, connected devices, let's call them. So both you have master-built line, with that gravity cooker and the Kamado Joe, the ceramic cooker that also has these capabilities. Between the two, which one would you buy and why? Yeah, so I, I have a gravity series actually that I bought. So, you know, that's a good answer to that question. You bought um, it on the, your uh, own? Yeah, I, I bought it. I paid for it. I just thought it was an interesting product that I wanted to play around with. So I, I bought it last fall, I think. Um, and between the two, I, that's the one I'd go with. It, you know, it has its faults. It's, I'd say the build's a little bit on the crappier side. Um, I, you know, they could spend a little money there, and their app too for connected grilling. It it tells me every fifteen minutes that it's done preheating after it's been preheated for hours. So that's kind of annoying. Um, I just think you know, I with a connected Kamado grill, I, I thought the whole benefit of Kamado grills was they retain heat, so it's easier. You know, we'll call it doing like a manual cook. To do that, if you're doing it via computer, I don't understand the benefit then of having a Kamado grill necessarily. I guess you maybe spend less fuel, but you can get a Gravity Series for, you know, they run deals where they're 350, 400 bucks as opposed to spending upwards of two grand and it'll largely do the same thing. I was on a phone call. I'm giving you some behind the curtain stuff here, but I think it lends to the conversation. I'm on a phone call with a guy who is 
assuming some kind of an official role with another decent sized ceramic cooker company and it's reaching out to people that might be connected or know some stuff. We're having a conversation about ceramic cooker industry and uh, this is all leading to the fact that we talked about connected Joe and he asked me what I thought about that. And as you're talking about what you were under the impression, some of these features were, my question is, do you think that the connected Joe now eliminates a perceived barrier to entry from folks that maybe buy into ceramic cooking 95%, but the other 5% is having to learn how to start a fire or deal with charcoal they don't want to mess it up. So instead of like buying it and just leaving it in the corner and they've spent money and they have a boat anchor, they just don't go buy it. I mean, that's not good for the retailer. They want it obviously to sell whether you use it or not. They don't care. They want to move. But does this potentially bridge that gap? Yeah. It, you know, getting into, I think for whatever reasons, you know, people, they're, they're more used to like Weber kettles. So stepping up to a Kamado cause it's, a bigger investment, it can be a little more intimidating. So if you know that, you know, I really can't screw this up, I think you're right in that that front that it does, you know, eliminate that barrier to entry where you might get into it via connected grilling so you get more comfortable and then just fall in love with uh, the overall technology of Kamado style grills. Has there been any feedback on that connected Joe unit that you've heard? Uh, in Middleby's earnings call, they they just loosely said that it's you know generated interest in their brand or something like that, which that's going to happen anytime you release a new grill because people are going to like it on social media and share it. Um, but it, it's still too early to say you know what that translates to in sales because they also they said that what they sold in Q one or Q one for their uh, residential business is going to be the same as Q two. Mm. Some of that's inventory, but it's kind of weird because. Q2, you're getting into like the heart of the grilling season. So, you know, and and the Connected Joe is not going to have that that uh, inventory problem that other grills have because it's brand new. I don't think I've seen anything about it. I'm pretty active on social and I see when companies are really making a push to get new stuff out in front of everybody or get in the hands of influencers. And I don't think I've seen one anything. Are they missing the boat? Yeah, I don't, I don't see anything either. I saw that that first let's say week there was because they push you know they have because you posted about it (laughs) yeah i posted about it but then pr companies push it out to you know like every you know very consumer oriented brand out there like you know usa today i'm just throwing that out there old old right like i was like a revolution in grilling and stuff like that but since then no i I haven't seen anyone or heard of anyone using one (laughs) weber revamped their grilling app recently and made a number of upgrades to it. There was a pretty interesting excerpt on your site from the Traeger CEO, Jeremy Andrews, talking about the amount of time and money that they're putting into the connected experience piece. So I asked the question again, and I don't know if you have any idea, but is there any data that you can see or that has been given to you by any company, Wes, that shows what percentage of customers are using a connected piece regularly versus wanting it on the cooker to say they have it. I haven't seen hard data that's sliced that way. What Traeger does do when they release their earnings is they'll talk about um, uh, how much people are using their grills, right? So that's that's a good way to do it. They'll take all that data from everyone that's cooking and they'll analyze it and they'll say, okay, people are still using our grills. That's a, you know, a good thing. And they'll, they'll sometimes say, you know, we had 10% more, you know, connected 
<laughs> sessions or whatever they term it than we did prior. So, you know, I think in the term in terms of pellet grills, I'm I'm sure there's quite a few. And I know uh, Home Depot too said before that any other tech focused grills have been selling um, better and been more resilient than some of the uh, more classic styles. So, you know, it's a feature people want. Um, whether or not they then you know, use it a ton. I, I don't know. Traeger, Traeger seems to think that it's, it's going well. So they're probably the best source. Can they break it down really into minutia? For instance, if I use the Traeger app when I have my Timberline fired up, might be just to check temperature, maybe on another side of the house, or I'm uh, getting close to a point in the cook where I want to do something else. So I just need to see where the temperature of the cooker is at. But I'm not downloading recipes. I'm not making any temperature adjustments, you know, anything like that. Um, does the data give them or does the app give them data that shows, well, these people are just connected superficially and then these people are actually pulling down stuff from the cloud and these people are putting stuff back up into the cloud. Does it give you that type of uh, heads up? I'm not sure if it would give you recipes or not because I, I use mine my any of my connected grills kind of the same way i just use it to check temperature but i do everything else you know out there um and but i mean everything from the controller is being sent to the cloud so if you access something on their app like a recipe i guess they would know it on the back end mm. and then any data has to go through the cloud so that's what they they dissect and use and it you know it's good data for them too because um a lot companies that don't use connected grills they look at uh consumables like not only like sauces and rubs but things like how much pellets are people buying but that's not the best data because if all of a sudden a company comes out with a pellet that everyone likes then you might have a drop in that and that's not because people aren't using your grill so you know it's 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 pretty reliable data so i understand why they they keep it and, and report on it you seeing any trends sprouting up from the consumers heading into the grilling season um, I, I still think uh, griddles and pizza ovens are going to be big this year. I mean, they've been big for years now, and I, I think they still will be. Grilla Grills has a Grilla Power Station available for sale on their website. 300 bucks. you know anything about it? And is this something that other companies might offer? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm a little disappointed with that release, I'll be honest with you, because they... they uh, They've been hyping up that they were going to release new products, plural, since uh, they said they were going to release them last fall, you know, and they've been giving them all sorts of superlatives about, you know, what they're going to be. And all that they've released so far as we are weeks away from Memorial Day is a, it's, it's really just, uh, you know, a portable power station that's branded with their name on it. And there's lots of portable power stations out there. Yeah, but they also unveiled that modular kitchen piece, right? They unveiled it, but they've had it for years. It, you oh, know, they, <laughs> yeah, if that, that's a product that's been around. Oh, they just, new to they me. just advert, yeah, the, the new owners that, you know, bought them last, last summer, last spring. They, yeah, they, I saw they, they had Instagram posts about how it's, you know, introducing our modular kitchen, but they've had that product. Would you buy that? Yeah, I think it's cool. You know, they do that in uh, Charbroil has something similar too yes. that they, they don't, it, you know, I, I think it's a great idea to offer modular kitchen pieces. They don't it's, publicize that either, now that I think about it. No, I I don't know why. I, I think, um, 
you know, American Outdoor Brands that owns Gorilla Grills understands that that's a differentiator because in a lot of their investment materials, they'll, they'll feature it. So I think they're going to continue building off that. Uh, but it, it's, you know, a good way to get into outdoor kitchens where you, you don't need to hire a contractor and do all that stuff. You can just buy it in pieces and build it out how you want. I, you know, I think that's great. Wes, all this talk is nonsense. Let's get to what's really important here. This segment, of course, as I was talking with Stephen Reichlin, you probably heard it on the way out. He was refraining from giving me his choices, but next Wednesday we'll be announcing exclusively here on the show on a Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern who the class of the 2023 Barbecue Hall of Fame is going to be. I'm sure you've seen the list of 10 finalists. Who are you putting in if you had a vote? Yeah, I, this is my completely ignorant opinion because I don't follow competitors. You're allowed to have an opinion, Wes. No qualification <laughs> needed. We're all allowed. Um, I'd go. I'd go. I'm looking at my list here. I'd go. Uh, Malcolm Reed. Uh, you know, friend of the show there, and, yes. and everyone knows him. Um, I'd go. David Close. Uh, yeah. Fast Eddie. Oh. And then. Dave Raymond, just because I'm a, I, a big, sweet baby Ray's wow, fan. Wow, all right. So Dave Close, <laughs> famed pit maker, Fast Eddie, who, of course, a competitor and a famed pit maker as well. Dave Raymond, sweet baby Ray, and uh, uh, Malcolm Reed, so a friend of the show, as you have, had mentioned. Have you given your opinion on who you think will be? Oh, have I given to? my opinion? Uh, <laughs> next Tuesday, the Embedded Correspondents and I break down this list ad nauseum, and then we put up who we think should be in the Hall of Fame, and then the next day we get immediate results to see how smart or stupid we were. So uh, uh, you have to wait a week. But, yes, we go on full display, and we don't hold back, and we've been doing it for years. But this is what makes the Barbecue Central Show the Barbecue Central Show. Uh, if you aren't familiar with Wes, you should be going over to his website, cookoutnews.com. You can follow him on social media as well and keep up with them there. Wes, always appreciate the time. We'll see you in June. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Always fun. That's Wes. I think Wes was still toying around. Maybe he wasn't toying around with going to Memphis in May. That's this coming week. It's probably a little too late now. We're almost getting in midweek. Wes and I should probably plan for next year, 2024. We do like a group trip. He comes down from the state up north and we meet somewhere. Somebody leaves a car in a Walmart parking lot and we carpool the rest of the way and smoke cigars and drink uh, martinis on the way down while we're driving and then break all sorts of crazy rules and news while we're down there. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a good good time. I'll reach out to Wes. We'll put that trip together. We will burn Memphis and May down next year. You can believe that. We'll burn it down. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up the first hour here. If you have any emails or questions or feedback on the show, Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Hey, look at that. The creator of the Flip Grill is in. Andrew Barnhart from the great metropolis of Berlin, Ohio, home of Amish people and cheese and the Flip Grill. All right, stick around. We will be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show.
continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. And we thank Wes Wright for joining us last segment, cookoutnews.com, his website. Follow him on social media. Typically, it's at Cookout News. See the big C logo that is associated with his website. Nothing like thinking somebody's a really big fan, and then they ask you if you're going to do your piece, and you realize that maybe they've been listening less than a year. That's all right. This is doing a great job doing what he's doing. One couldn't expect that he goes and listens to all 1,238 episodes of the show and know the replete history of it, or complete. But yes, next week, next Tuesday... Ooh, that's a good question from Tom. Oh, I'm sorry, Tom. Tom Looney Loma. <laughs> Luoma. We're talking about connected grills and probes. Which probe, in your opinion, has the longest range? A couple I have used lose connection when I walk in the house. Mm. Tom, we need to know brands. I'm guessing the one that loses connection in the house might be wireless, and it might rhyme with meter. That's just a guess. You tell me. We'll figure it out, Tom, through the rest of the show here. Anyway, in regards to Wes, and if you are a fan of the show, next Tuesday in the second hour, it's the fourth Tuesday, the embedded correspondence will be in, and we will break down the list of 10 final names four of which will make it into the Barbecue Hall of Fame. And the embedded correspondence and I will give you what our definitive list would be of those four names. And then, not even 24 hours later, like hardly even 12 hours later, we will be joined by Elizabeth from the American Royal, possibly Robert Moss again one more time as we reveal who the class of the Barbecue Hall of Fame will be in 2023. We'll also learn who the legacy inductees will be. Those are people that aren't currently living. And then I was told that there would be an Impact Award this year as well, so we'll be learning who the Impact Award is going to or what organization or what group. So plenty of stuff to get to within the week. But that's why I'm asking all the guests here this evening both the YouTube poll question of the week and if they had to vote, which four are they putting in? You're not offending anybody. We all know everybody's deserving. If you had a vote, who are you putting in? Weston, puss out. What's that? It's Dave Close. It's Fast Eddie. It's Malcolm Reed. And said another name, too, that I can't remember right off the top of my head. Who was it? Oh, Dave Raymond. Yeah, of course. Sweet Baby Race. Because his kids love Sweet Baby Ray's. <laughs> All right. We are pointing to the second hour. Go ahead and refresh your libations, and we will come back for more great interviews, more great insight, and more fun and frivolity. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. <laughs> 